Welcome to the Like a Bird podcast. I'm James Chadwick, and throughout 2024, I'll be sharing one essay a week, or perhaps an interview, and then I'm rolling everything up into a second book, just in time for Christmas. But why Like a Bird? Well, it all started, as it often seems to do, with a single translated line that I couldn't get out of my head by the French poet and essayist Paul Valéry. One should be light like a bird and not like a feather. That line felt true and important. Yes, we should all want to grow lighter and be freer as we grow older, but lighter with control, like a bird in the air in flight and not like a feather buffeted around by the wind. That idea really seemed worth exploring and it also resonated with a lot of experiences I've been having through silent retreats and meditation and generally making choices to simplify my own life. So the Like a Bird weekly substack and this sister podcast is for everyone ready to grow lighter by gently cutting themselves free from the ideas, habits and people that are weighing them down. Got any of those? I'm going to be writing about truth, love, books, friendship, addiction, raising boys, art, narcissism, wealth and whatever else helps tells this story. Cutting free is not an easy thing to do but I hope you find something useful here and of course welcome all and any comments. I'm always around working on various projects at jechadwick.com. So let's dive in to this week's idea. Let's dive into this week's essay. Uh, this is called How to Fire and Rehire Your Mind. Um, and it's a concept that I have been thinking a lot about um, ever since I started to do uh, silent meditation retreats myself, a daily meditation practice, but also heavily influenced by a couple of people really. One is Tenzin Palmo, who's this incredible um, English uh, lady who in the 1950s went off to um, India in order to uh, learn Tibetan Buddhism uh, and uh, lived in a cave all on her own for 11 years. And um, she has some incredibly deep insights about how our thoughts uh, often think us. And um, she's written some great books, and so I'm going to be featuring her. And also strongly influenced by Michael Singer, um, as a lot of people are, um, who wrote uh, The Untethered Soul and Living Untethered, um, and also The Surrender Project, I think. And he uh, he's really a, a strong thinker in this area, and so I'll be referring to him as well. So let's dive in. The essay is called How to Fire and Rehire Your Mind, Why Our Thoughts Are Both Addictive and Boring, and Why We Thrive With Fewer of Them. And I've got to read this great quote at the beginning uh, by Jetson uh, Tenzin Palmo, the, the British nun. Um, the French have an expression for being bored, je m'ennuie, which means literally, I bore myself. Exactly. It has nothing to do with what's going on around us. Our minds bore us. I love that quote. Okay, let's dive in. For most of my life, I believe that it was important to think more and harder. I believe that if I kept reading books, taking notes, and wrestling with complex ideas, I could successfully outthink the world. Like an addict, I kept it up for decades. But eventually and inevitably, the world outran me, and I grew tired and bored of my own thoughts repeating on the loop. Like many adults in midlife, I started to awake to different kinds of answers, mainly through 10-day silent retreats and through secular Buddhism teachings, some of which I'll try to share here. But first, I ask you to suspend your disbelief for the next five minutes in order to consider the possibility that almost everything your mind has been telling you about the world 
has been incorrect. This should be just long enough to introduce the following five ideas. Number one, we are not our thoughts. Number two, we can observe our thoughts. Number three, our thoughts are usually unhelpful. Number four, we can fire our mind and then rehire it. And five, we can thrive with less thinking. First, we are not our thoughts. If you've ever tried to meditate for more than a minute, this should be easy to accept. We cannot control our thoughts for more than a few seconds. So how can we be them? They come and go as they please, flitting randomly between the past and the future, the negative and the positive. We can all shut our eyes and try to count to 10 slowly. And most likely, we won't even reach 10, at least not without wrestling with those uninvited guests, our own thoughts. If you don't believe me, stop listening now and try it for just 10 seconds. Sometimes we notice them, but usually we don't. We don't think them. If anything, it's more accurate to say that they think us. When we fail to actively notice them, we unconsciously identify with them, which is why we go along with this fiction that we are our thoughts. But we didn't invite them, we don't control them, and as we'll see, they're not generally our friends. It's important to always remember that we are not our thoughts. So why are there so many of them? Most likely because we develop a bad habit of using them to cope with the world. We create the world in our mind to make the world more easy to understand and to give ourselves the illusion of control. We can't control the real world, so we create it in our minds using thoughts, and then we endlessly talk about it, mostly with ourselves. It gives us a false sense of power to be able to classify things, criticize them, and make plans about what to do about them. Usually what we call thoughts are just fragments of repeating conversations between two temporary fictional characters, both of which are us, trying and failing to make sense of all our fears and cravings about the world. We are not our thoughts. Second, we can observe our thoughts. Our consciousness is separate from our thoughts. We know this is true because we can use our consciousness to focus it on our own thought. We can direct it like a stage spotlight up above in the roof of a darkened theatre to observe the conversations and the fictional characters that are talking on the stage inside our head. Normally, we don't notice them, or worse, we identify with them. We mistake them for ourselves, but if we learn this new skill, we can use that spotlight to observe our thoughts instead of identifying. The easiest way to do this is by practicing meditation even if only for 20 minutes a day. This is actually the most practical way to think about meditation. We find time to sit in silence and practice listening to the conversations instead of identifying with them. In any given minute, we might notice two or three different thoughts arising. There's no need to judge them or censor them. Just listen to them as an observer, as if you're up in that dark roof of the theater with a relaxed grip on the spotlight and notice the conversation. You can't stop the thoughts and stage conversations from arriving uninvited, and that would ruin the value of the exercise anyway. You can choose not to identify them. Usually, it'll be a familiar and tedious thought, recurring because it's needlessly causing you anxiety, and it'll bore you until another thought pops up. Move on to that one now. Some people find it helpful to label each thought to avoid identifying with them. A label might be too busy, or not talented enough, or fears about gaining weight. Whatever works. This is all it means to observe your thoughts. Now, if you do this for long enough, you'll get the hang of it. In fact, 
after a while, you won't just be noticing your thoughts. You'll start noticing the noticer. You'll find a new location for your consciousness. Somewhere up there in the darkness with the spotlight, watching all the action in the theater. There's a stage where the characters are talking. These are thoughts. And perhaps there are stage directors or people in the audience, versions of you, watching your thoughts. But you are now up in the rafters, watching everything below with your spotlight. It should feel better to be more in control. Of course, this is not pure reality. It's still a dualistic mind, but it does give us enough space to see a thought as a thought and an emotion as an emotion. At least we can choose if it's useful thought or emotion or not. We know it for what it is, rather than being consumed by it. We no longer identify with it. Now for the third point. Our thoughts are usually unhelpful. You may have read about how misleading even a healthy brain can be. Nobody writes more precisely about this than Daniel Kahneman, whose book Thinking Fast and Slow outlines how our two thinking systems fight for control over our actions and lead us into errors of memory, judgment, and decision-making. System one is quick, emotional, rooted in gut instincts. System two is much slower, more rational, more considered. It's a very wise book, but arguably you would learn more about this deep in your own bones by observing your thoughts for 20 minutes a day for a week. You can watch all the calories of mental energy being burned on unhelpful thoughts in your own brain. You'll see how many negative, dramatic, and sensationalist thoughts are paraded on your stage, tempting you to attach to them. You'll see how often you blindly attach, because deep down, you're addicted to your own thought and enamored with the familiar pathway you love to carve out in your own mind. I've always felt that the worst insult is to call someone dull or boring. I would hate it if somebody I valued called me unoriginal. But after living alone in a cave for 11 years, that's exactly how the Buddhist nun Tenzin Palmo has described the human mind. She says, the mind rarely thinks up something fresh and new and exciting. Mostly, it's just the same stale material, repeated again and again. The same old grievances and memories, both happy and sad. Opinions, ideas, plans, fantasies, and fears. If we start to observe our mind, we see how unoriginal it usually is. Our ordinary conceptual mind is not really very bright. Ouch. You should also notice that a disturbingly high proportion of your thoughts are negative, and that those negative thoughts tend to give off sparks that light new, dangerous wildfires in your mind with no apparent benefit to you or anybody. Thought A sparks thought B, which sparks C and D and so on until we're very professionally hijacked. In short, our thoughts are usually boring and unhelpful, but we are addicted to them anyway. It's like having a highly distracting computer in our brains, which is running someone else's program from a previous decade, or having a long-running series that we love, like Seinfeld or Friends, running endlessly on repeat in our heads. I mean, I love Seinfeld, but there's more to life than watching rerun. Which brings us to the fourth point. We can fire our mind and then rehire it to do a simpler job. So this proposal should not now be controversial, given how unhelpful we just established our thoughts are. But somehow, it still makes us feel uncomfortable to cut them loose. Logically, if most of our thoughts are unhelpful, then shouldn't we try to live without them? Yes, we should. But it feels daunting and unnatural to learn the alternative way, which is to think less. To think less? It sounds heretical. Especially in the West, we've elevated rational thinking and logic to such a preeminent status that it seems odd to try to think less. And how would we even start? One way to start, as Michael Singer describes it, is to fire the mind from the way we're using it today. 
Uh, he has a couple of great quotes here. The first is, Einstein used his mind to ponder thought experiments about the behavior of light, gravity, and the physics of outer space, even though no human had ever been there. Meanwhile, you keep your busy mind, your mind busy with relationships, what people think of you, and how to get what you want and avoid what you don't want. And the second quote is, you've given your mind an impossible task by asking it to manipulate the world in order to fix your personal inner problem. If you want to achieve a healthy state of being, stop asking your mind to do this. Just relieve your mind of the job of making sure that everyone and everything will be the way you need them to be, so you can feel better inside. Your mind is not qualified for that job. Fire it and let go of your inner problems instead. But those two quotes are from Michael Finger. So once you've fired your mind from what it was doing badly, you can now rehire it for another task, more aligned with what you want to achieve. Perhaps that's quantum physics, or writing beautiful songs, or helping someone that you love, or simply observing your own thoughts and noticing the noticer, noticer instead of identifying with the thoughts themselves. The main point is to be intentional about what job you're hiring your mind to do for you, so that it stops doing the unhelpful job it was doing before. Fifth and finally, we can thrive with less thinking. We know this is true because we've all experienced flow at some point during our lives. Flow is when we're doing something that we do well, that we enjoy doing, and we become lost in the activity because there's no need for thinking. It's different for all of us, but we know instinctively what gives us flow. It might be a sport or music or painting or making love or fixing a car engine. We could almost always make changes in our lives to spend more time doing these things and less time thinking. When we fire our minds, we can rehire them to find flow. We thrive when we find our flow. If it's fun, it's probably slow. We're more likely to find flow with people that we love, and especially serving others than ourselves. We find it doing something physical, outside in the sea or up a mountain, because as a species, we have been animals that move and act for far longer than we've been a species that worries about deadlines and communicates complex concepts to each other. Thinking too much exhausts us. We should do it only when it's required for a specific purpose, and with a clear, calm mind. The more we can give ourselves the space and permission to empty our minds and let go of the unhelpful thoughts we don't need, the fuller our lives can be. Empty mind, full life. Thank you for listening to Like a Bird. Please subscribe to get one new idea a week. Check out more creative projects at jechadwick.com and share with anyone you think might be trying to grow lighter. And have a great light week.